Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to House Calls for our February show. This is a wonderful month. We've got some amazing holidays. We do have President's Day holidays. But we also have Valentine's Day. And nowadays, I think we really should be focusing and honoring celebrating love more than we should presidents. So, so let's start with spreading the love with my honorable mentions. I want to say aloha to my friend Jeannie Beckland, who is a real estate agent and a really good friend from Maui. I met her about 20 years ago, and I unfortunately neglected to mention that Jeannie had her big birthday in January, so I forgot to include her in my show. So Jeannie... Belated happy birthday and mahalo for listening to my show every month and sharing it with your friends. So in February, we have the following people who are celebrating February birthdays. Dr. Bernard Bendock, who head of neurosurgery at, Bethes- at, um, at Mayo Clinic Scottsdale. He's been on our show before. Uh, Linda Johnston, a dear friend in Utah. Susan Wiley, a longtime friend from 21 years in Scottsdale, having a birthday. My dear friend and real estate agent, Trudy Hammond. Happy birthday, Trudy. Leslie Reidenauer, who has been on our show before with her husband, Dick Reidenauer, former uh, retired Navy Admiral. Two of them have done shows about movies and love, and, and she's just an amazing person. So happy birthday, Leslie. Allie Zimmerman celebrates her birthday. My friend Patricia Logan, who is in, up north in Flagstaff. Happy birthday, Patricia. Joseph Whitewolf in Cottonwood, who is our shaman tour guide in Sedona. Happy birthday, Joseph. Jim McDowell, who's a dear friend. Michael Kaiser, our friend in on the East Coast. Happy birthday, Rob Harden. Both Michael and Rob Harden celebrate my belated, uh, my beloved husband John's birthday, February 21. It's a good day for them. Arizona State Treasurer Kimberly Yee celebrates her birthday this month. Tom McWilliams, back east in Florida. Sandy Scarcella in Scottsdale. Rex Mays in California. Happy birthday, Rex. And Rob McGann, who is the grandfather to my grandchildren uh, from my daughter-in-law's side, Aaron's father, Rob. Happy birthday, Rob. Also for February babies, my nieces, actually my daughter-in-law, Aaliyah's Newest nephew, Sidney Gray Chalmers, was born on Valentine's this Valentine's Day this week, and he joins his three other big brothers. So happy, happy first, you know, birthday, creating your birthday, little guy. And for celebrations this month, my dear friends Ray and Maddie Williams celebrate their 55th wedding anniversary on February 23. Happy birthday. So it is truly a month of love, and we celebrate Valentine's Day February 4th each year. Do you ever wonder where we get Valentine's Day? Is it from Hallmark, and how did that come about? Well, it occurs every February 14th across the United States and in other places around the globe. It's a day when candy and flowers and gifts are exchanged between loved ones, all in the name of St. Valentine. And it didn't come to be celebrated as a day of romance until about the 14th century. There were several Christian martyrs named Valentine, and the day may have taken its name from a priest who was martyred about 270 uh, before Christ by the Emperor Claudius II. Gothicus was his name. So when I think of Valentine's Day, there's a famous poem, and a lot of people attribute it to William Shakespeare, 
But it wasn't William Shakespeare, the bard, who created this poem. It was the poet during the Victorian age, British poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who created the sonnet, Sonnet 43, and it's her most famous poem today. It's probably been used at thousands of wedding readings, and it's called her Sonnet 43 from the Portuguese cycle of her life, and she wrote it when she was being courted by Robert Browning. I want to read this, the words, because it is so beautiful, and I think you probably heard it before, but it's worth sharing on Valentine's Day. So it begins, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach, when feeling out of sight for the ends of being an ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. So that's what they will say sometimes when they say, how do I love me? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. That is the language of love as we hear poetry. So the topic of today's show in February is the language of love. And how do we share it? How do we communicate it? How do we translay it to the people around us? One of the books that have has really influenced how I view love and relationships is a classic book by Gary Chapman. And Gary was a marriage counselor for over 40 years, and he wrote a bestseller entitled The Five Languages of Love, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. He published it in 1992. And in this book, he describes five love languages that describe the ways that people receive and express love in a relationship. And these are the following five things. Words of affirmation, like I love you, I care for you, you say it. You say those words, you say poetry, you write sonnets, you write poetry, you write them letters. The second way they express it is quality talk. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm spending time with you. You're important to me by being together, spending time. The third language of love is you have to have them touch you. You know your love because your loved one touches you, holds your hands, hugs you, embraces you. They love the physical touch. The fourth language of love is acts of service. There are people who say, I show you I love you because I took out the garbage. I show you I love you because I bought you a diamond ring. But that goes on. The acts of love, we say, it's things that you do for other people. And I talk about the diamond ring because that's the fifth language love is receiving gifts. How will you give somebody your loved one? And one of the things I saw in one of the ads uh, this past week for Valentine's Day, there was an ad from a jeweler, and it said, better than roses, surprise your valentine with our gorgeous 1.4 carat diamond studs in platinum. So it's better than roses, but, you know, the language of love, people will gift them roses. My late husband, John, would always give me red roses, and I think jewelry is one way to express your love. Women like jewelry. I think most women do. I like jewelry. I can. Somebody once told me, well, you have too much jewelry. I said, no, you can never have too much jewelry, really. Come on, guys. Never have too much jewelry, right? 
So it's important to know your partner's love language and letting you know yours, letting them know yours is important so that what works for you may not work for everybody else. And one of the things you can ask somebody you're with, what is your love language? And you can have all of those or which one's most important. And that way they know in order to, for you to feel love, it's important that let's say you need them to say they love you, they need to spend time with you, they need to touch you, and they need to give you beautiful jewelry. That's simple as that, right? If you can figure out what that is. So among these five languages, you know, which one fills your soul and spirit with the feeling that you are truly loved? So in studio today, we have someone who knows how to help other people speak the language of love of giving gifts as their language of love. And I'm, and I'm really blessed to know uh, this amazing person and his wife. And it's Hugo Rodriguez. Hugo I met a couple years ago when I moved to where I currently live in Scottsdale. He has an amazing jewelry store called Plateia, and he's just around the corner. And I think it's probably the most dangerous walk I do because I go right past his store as I go to the restaurants. I'm instantly drawn in because I can't resist the bling. And, and he does speak my language of love because he knows how much I love bling. And I've named him the Lord of the Rings because I can't get enough of his beautiful rings. I wish I had more fingers. So I'm going to share Hugo's bio with you. Hugo Rodriguez has been in the jewelry business for more than 27 years. It started when he was a child and he became fascinated by the jewelry that his mother would sell to her friends. And it never crossed his mind that one day he would be designing and selling jewelry in a different country here in America. So after he graduated from high school, he was presented the opportunity to work in a silver jewelry store, which revived his passion for precious stones and metals. And in 1999, Hugo Rodriguez opened his own store in Chihuahua City, where he worked while also graduating from college. And then several years later, he moved to the United States. He opened a store here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And the store received immense success due to his creative line of jewelry that garnered such a reputation for being elegant, simple, and unique. He's truly an artist. In 2007, Hugo created his current store, Platea Jewelers, which now resides in the beautiful Carolyn Commons open-air shopping mall. It's fabulous, guys. Fabulous. Go to his website. His artwork can be found across the country with pieces on display in museums, design conferences, as well as notable auctions. Through these auctions, he has helped to raise thousands of dollars from multiple organizations supporting healthcare, education, local communities. He has donated to my favorite charity, Boys and Girls Club of Greater Scottsdale, his beautiful pieces. I love them. I love to display them all the time. I've introduced my friends to him. He has an amazing vision to see his jewelry brand, jewelry brand considered every time a current and future client celebrates a special occasion. Hugo, welcome. Welcome to our show. Good to be here. I really appreciate the invitation, and I feel honored and very humble that you are uh, here with me and interviewing me and allowing me to share uh, one of the best uh, passions that I have, which is the love for jewelry. And your beautiful wife, Claudia, is here. Hi, Claudia. Hello. You want to say hello? How long have you two been married? We've been married for 21 years. How no. old are your children now? They're 21, 19, and 17 years old. And is it is it wonderful to be married to a jeweler? Do you get all the jewelry you oh, want? Oh, yeah, and I you get, get your to pet? show it off. Oh. <laughs> you should see her jewelry. It's amazing. Well, she's married to the, you know, the, the artist here. You know, Hugo knows that my language of love includes receiving gifts from my friends, but I also like to gift myself. 
And I love your jewelry, your talent, your artwork. It makes me happy. It makes me smile. It makes me feel elegant and beautiful and cher cherished. I call it my crystal therapy, right? And I always say you can't have too much of a good thing. And some people think, well, too much of a good thing is an addiction. But I think it's okay, an addiction. I'm not hurting anybody, but I call it my crystal therapy. How did you, you talked about getting into the business of making jewelry. I mean, do you go to special school to make it? Are you an apprentice? I mean, how do you become a jeweler? Well, professor? as you mentioned, I, everything started back in 1995 when I first graduated from uh, high school. I was offered a job to be a salesperson of my parents' friend, mm -hmm. and I was hired by him, and that's when I revived my fascination for jewelry that I have developed in my early years when I was a, a, a little kid. So in 1999, I had the opportunity to open up my first store a year before I graduated uh, college, but I was only buying and reselling. It was not until I moved to the United States in 2003 when I realized that I had a talent. It was a God-given talent to design jewelry. One day I was just playing with the pieces that I had on display and it, it suddenly clicked like, well, I can do this. And I started playing with some of the materials. I started stringing pearls. I think I still have the first uh, pearl necklace that I strung almost, I don't know, 22 years ago. And then one thing led to another. So about 2008, I designed the first engagement ring for a lady in Japan mm -hmm. who was determined to buy her engagement ring from Tiffany's. Yeah. And I came into the equation because her mother knew me and I presented a couple of ideas. We interchanged emails. And three weeks later, I was making the first engagement ring. And I, I ship it to her, and the rest is history. We're going to pause for a quick break. I want to come back and talk about engagement rings because, you know, I, I hear young couples, the whole proceed, you know, the whole process of getting engaged has become a big deal. Really, they'll have a, an event. They film it it's on Instagram. And I just want to ask later when we come back about how people are engaged nowadays, why is the ring important, why do you even need one, you know, what do you see the trend is in diamonds and style. So we'll stay tuned on House Calls with Dr. Connie and Hugo Rodriguez and Claudia Rodriguez of Platella Jewelers in Scottsdale. Come back in a few minutes and we'll talk about engagement rings and beautiful rings and bling. So stay tuned. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? 
My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to House Calls with Dr. Connie and master jeweler and artist Hugo, uh, Hugo Rodriguez of Platea. We're talking about engagement rings. Do you get a lot of couples coming and say, okay, we're trying to, you know, is it the guy who comes in or does he bring the gal? You talked about your client from who came in from Japan. She picked her engagement ring, but isn't it the guy who's supposed to buy it? I mean, how does that work nowadays? Well, traditionally, it will be the guy who comes to the store and or even the couple, and then we start having the first conversation. I pick their uh, brain, mm-hmm. they express their ideas, what they have in mind. First, I ask, what is the shape of a diamond that they're looking for? Mm-hmm. And then the second most important question is, what is the size that mm-hmm. they would like? And most of the time, they are open to suggestions. I give my recommendation, and I also ask them if they have a budget in mind, because mm-hmm. nowadays, uh, being the market so competitive, you have to have a budget if you want to especially when when are just first getting married they mm-hmm. are just taking off their feet and don't have a lot of money mm-hmm. but the good thing is there is a budget or there is a a piece for every budget mm-hmm. per se i work with from people from all walks of life from very prestigious doctors to blue collar mm-hmm. or just entrepreneurs that you're starting their businesses so where do you get your stones? Do you get them from a warehouse or a special place? Well, um, I travel to different shows in the country, uh-huh. and those shows are wholesale shows for people in the industry. And I have contacts in New York. New York is the biggest hub for diamonds that come from mainly from Africa. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting some diamonds from uh, Belgium and some Canadian diamonds. So it varies. And then I contact them. I ask them or I tell them what are the requirements that I need. And often I buy diamonds just to have in store mm-hmm. and variable sizes from half a carat to 10 <coughs> carats. And many times those diamonds are just waiting for the right people to come and, and buy it. And I offer them to build home for each one of the stones. What is the average size carat diamond that you usually sell? Well, nowadays, uh, people typically start with one carat, but there are 
other couples who only want to spend a certain amount of money, they want to stay under one carat, but the most sellable nowadays is three carats and up. Mm-hmm. That's what we are uh, pr- moving the most. What's the largest diamond you've sold? The largest diamond that I have sold, it's a <laughs> 7.8 carat total weight, mm-hmm. uh, radian mm-hmm. cut. I bought it loose, and then I created a home for it. I had it in my store for about three months, and then the perfect couple bought it. Typically, large diamonds or diamonds that size are bought by people who have been married a long time, mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15 years, 20 years, 50 years, that they want to upgrade. upgrade or right. they want to keep presenting the love for their spouse mm-hmm. by giving them that pre- uh, precious diamond. Mine was uh, from a second marriage, so he upgraded. He, he gave me a bigger stone because that was our second. His, you know, we married. This was our second marriage, so gave me a nice stone from there. So uh, it was also from New York. He got the diamond from New York. So what's the symbolism? Where does that come from? Why is it that finger? It, I mean, traditionally, it's... Well, the wedding ring finger, right? It all started back into the Renaissance era, uh-huh. like the year 1477, if I remember correctly, when um, the Archduke wanted to present something of value to his beloved one, and it was a diamond. Obviously, back in the day, the tools that are used today to cut diamonds didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So the diamonds on the rough typically come on a octahedral uh, shape and it was just presented like that throughout time um, they have evolved and they have come with different cuts but that's the story how everything started in the renaissance era but it didn't become available to the masses of people until the early 1900s now there are uh, stories about people wearing the engagement ring on the right hand but typically they were on the left hand on the third finger no i'm sorry second four finger four finger because the veins of that finger are connected directly to the heart ah it's that closest to your heart it's the closest to the heart and it gives that uh, sense of belonging it gives that sense of i'm giving you something valuable that doesn't mean so much to me but it's expensive and i want you to have it because Mm -hmm. that's what you mean to me Mm -hmm. it means a lot the symbolism there with that and so where did you know they got the tradition where the guy gets on one knee is that renaissance where he gets on the knee and presents and asks for her hand in marriage well (laughs) for instance i i I learned i learned that when i moved to the states Uh that you have to get on i when i proposed to my wife which I am not uh, ashamed to say it. Uh, I didn't have the money. I was not designing jewelry. And I bought it on a pawn shop. Uh And I did not confess that to her until nine years into the marriage. Right. But it was one third of a carat. Mm -hmm. I was very proud of what I could afford at that time. Mm -hmm. And I just presented into a... Not a casual way. It was a nice dinner. Mm -hmm. And I asked the waiter to bring the the dessert and the ring was inside of a box and when he opened up the container the ring was there but i did not get on 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 one knee i believe that it's a long uh standing tradition 
which I love. Mm -hmm. If I was going to propose again, I will do the same way. Although I have done it with several upgrades that I have given to her. Right. She's but, collected. How many years have you guys been married now? Well, we're in 21, <laughs> but next month, March 3rd, we'll be celebrating 22 Oh, years. well, there you go. Bigger diamonds, more time. <laughs> what other jewelry? I mean, engagement rings, wedding ring. What other jewelry do you see people giving as gifts of love? Necklaces, bracelets? What do you see? Do you, Well, do typically during Christmas season, um, the guys come and they are more inclined to a pair of earrings or a small necklace for the for their women for, for the for the, the ladies but uh, i it seems that i sell more and i know that i sell more rings than anything else that's why you're lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> i love that title for you thank you it's and i love creating rings because when you wear those it's something that you can see mm -hmm. on your hand you mm -hmm. can admire mm -hmm. And people get a no by looking at the rings when you're when you wear those. Mm -hmm. I think people profile you too. That I, is true. I had a one of my patients came in the other day, and she this was her second marriage. This was it was his fourth marriage, and he was a lot older, very successful businessman. I won't give them their name, They're, but they had just gotten married January 29th, and she had a 14 carat ring. Wow. And I said, wow, you're going to get tendonitis from that. And it was almost too big to be true. And then too big to be true. I mean, it's like amazing. But there are other stones. I mean, I've seen imitation there. They look better than the real thing, right? And then moisonite, there's another stone that's, is it stronger than diamond? You're, you're telling me? No, it's, it's, it's a different uh, in the scale of more, diamond has a hardness of 10 and the moisonite has a hardness of 9. So the only difference is that it's a man-made stone. Mm -hmm. and it has a double reflection. So when, when your eyes are trained, it's easy for me to spot the difference between a moissanite or a real diamond. Because some of the CZ stones that you'll see, uh, you know, different shops, they, can you, I mean, can you tell, you have to use your, your eyepiece, but looking at it, anybody can, you, I mean, you've got some stones that aren't diamonds, but they look better than diamonds sometimes, right? Yeah, and remember, the, the beauty is to the eyes of the, of the beholder. Right, right. So... In my case, I can identify those uh, easily because my eyes are trained. You That's what tell. I do you every can day. I, right. can, I can tell. But sometimes I get fooled, and then I have to get my loop and take a closer look, and I'm able to reiterate my first assumption. Do people resell them? I mean, do you have estate sales where people, like their grandmother's ring or the mother's ring, they turn it in, they want to sell it? Do you see a lot of that in business? Well... Uh, I have a specialized in repurposing jewelry, mm -hmm. especially when there are people who have lost their beloved ones. They want to still wear the piece mm -hmm. or the pieces of jewelry in a different way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they turn it necklaces mm -hmm. or earrings, old engagement rings, and they still want to wear it, mm -hmm. but they don't like the current look. So that's where I come into play. And I offer them to repurpose their pieces and turn into something fabulous that they can wear every day. I have done that several times. And they love it because it gives them a resemblance, a resemblance of the occasion when they received that stone. Now it's all combined it mm -hmm. and they can just wear it 
for the rest of their lives if they want. So how do you take care of a diamond? I mean, you, do you spray it with Windex? I mean, they say don't get oil on it. Don't get. I mean, women do that. I mean, how do you how do you keep your diamonds clean? You have a special device, but well, for everybody di- else. Diamonds typically attract oils. Uh-huh. So when you wear a diamond on your hand, on a ring, and you wash your hands or after you shower, many ladies or men don't take their jewelry off. So it attracts the oils of the chemicals. And what we do, we just clean those on an ultrasonic and we steam it and they look, they sparkle again. Well, the right terminology is they disperse again because... Disperse the light. The, the, the light. But if you don't, can you spray Windex on it? I know that if you can't get the ring off, they say put some Windex, you can slide it off your That foot. is correct. That's yeah. for, for the metal. Yeah. But uh, I will not recommend using Windex. What do you use? I use... Well, uh, if you do, if you want to clean a diamond at home, you boil a little bit of water with soap, mm-hmm. with dish soap, mm-hmm. and use a toothbrush, mm-hmm. and you can clean it thoroughly, rinse it off, and you can put it back on your finger. Just regular soap, like dish soap, dish, dish soap. soap, and then toothbrush. Toothbrush, and then if you boil it, it gives more really? power to the yeah. to the soap, and it gets more into the difficult areas to clean it. Are there other stones that, that people find popular? In addition, do you, you sell more rubies or emeralds, or is there a tent trend? To Out of the the gems, yeah. because remember, uh, diamonds, sapphires, rubies, emeralds are considered gems. So out of those four, uh, I sell more diamonds. Mm-hmm. And then in second place, I will say emeralds, mm-hmm. then sapphires, and probably lastly, um, rubies. Rubies are last. Right. In in my case, but and then between necklaces and and bracelets, which is more popular that you see? Um, I sell more rings, then second earrings, third necklaces, and bracelets will be probably fourth. And do you use what kind of materials do you use? You use silver because you're the name of your store. Where did you get the name of your store? Well, <laughs> when I when I first started in the industry, I was only selling sterling silver. Uh-huh. And at the time, I was studying Italian, and I created the name. It's a combination of Spanish and Italian. Plat, the first four letters of silver, uh-huh. and Ella means her, her in Italian. Oh. So, and when I started doing gold, I just decided to keep the, day, the name because it sounds trendy. Right. So, yeah. But now, as I have progressed in, in the business, I have uh, acquired more pieces in gold, and silver has become secondary, but I use the main metals that I use is white gold, mm-hmm. yellow gold in 14 and 18 carat, platinum, and sterling silver. So you combine all those? Yes, pretty much. Okay. But I have the the silver is just silver, and then gold is gold, either white or yellow. And then many times I, I create uh, two-tone jewelry. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's fascinating. We're going to take a little quick break here for a commercial break. We'll be back on House Calls with Hugo Rodriguez. He's a master jewelry designer, and he just loves what he does, and it shows in his beautiful pieces. So stay tuned on House Calls for more on bling, rings and blings.
Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to our February show where we talk about the gifts of love and it is better to receive than to give, I really believe. <laughs> Women like receiving gifts. They really do. Show her a little, a little. There used to be a joke, you know, that when, when the Viagra came out, you know, the little blue pill comes with a little blue box, right? What are they thinking? You know, Tiffany's box or all the different brand names. But, you know, when you look at what you make, it's such a great price because it's more personalized and it's directly from you versus the big name groups that come out. Correct. And so you can imitate, but you also have your, you're working directly with your client and they're expressing to you what they envision, what, what's so important to them. Because it's very personal. Jewelry is an artwork and it's extremely personal and it has all those memories. What's the toughest piece of jewelry you've had to create? The one that I have not created yet. Oh. Yeah. So I have been challenged with many uh, projects and Thankfully, by the grace of God, I've been able to achieve those. But I think the most difficult one has been the one from long distance, being all the way in Japan, mm-hmm. that they couldn't see what the ring looked like. So we did a rendering on the computer. Typically, I don't use a computer to create a ring. Everything is done by hand and by a uh, drawing, um, just regular drawing. But... That was the most difficult, but we achieved it. But so far, hasn't come something that really uh, makes me doubt or makes right. me. But every piece, I put my heart in passion. Every piece that I create, because at the end of the day, 
my number one priority is to make my clients happy. When someone has your jewelry, is there a signature style that you have that you put on your rings that you can say, oh, that's that's a platea. It's Hugo. That's, Correct. I tell? I try to keep it. Not every piece in my showroom has my signature, but I try to incorporate my signature on the piece, especially on the custom mm-hmm. uh, rings or custom necklaces. I try to very subtly to put my initial, but not for the sake, the letter H, but not for the sake of uh, make me feel better, but just people will identify those. I have had the pleasure of people coming to visit me for the first time when they have expressed, oh, we saw your jewelry on a lady on a flight from New York to LA, and we were coming to Phoenix, and we remember that she mentioned your store, and we're here, and we want to see what you have. Wow. That's the biggest compliment that I have That's had. huge. That somebody came all that way and found you. Correct. You're tucked away in that in mall to find you on that corner and to come in and look for you. Correct, because we create the experience, as you know. Yeah. It's not, it's oh, not yeah. about selling a piece of jewelry, but it's about creating the experience. I have created pieces. One of the most impactful pieces that I have created was a year ago, Right before uh, Christmas, it was a guy who came in who wanted to give his wife, uh, soon to be a mother, a heart pendant mm-hmm. because the boy in the womb was diagnosed with a heart failure. Oh, dear. The doctors have said that the, the boy will not live, mm-hmm. and the boy had a ho- uh, hole in his heart. Mm-hmm. Peyton so, Raymond, yeah. So the heart that I created had a heart within the heart. It was a hole, yeah, and we put a chain through and a blue diamond that oh, symbolized the little boy, the, the little boy, and something in my heart told me that the boy was going to make him. So the boy today is alive. Mm-hmm. I have received pictures from the father, mm-hmm. keeping me informed of the progression of the boy, and he's a normal boy. What an amazing today. thing! What a and that's the, symboli- one of the symbolism of that. And then right? you also get to. Enjoy those kind of moments, and also when somebody passes, mm-hmm. that you have to inspect the jewelry that they have inherited for the estate sale, for the estate sale, or they want a, an appraisal on it, or they want to pass it along to their children, mm-hmm. and they want all the specs on the piece, or they want just to redesign it or repurpose mm-hmm. it to use it to live use it. Living on I, my mother's earrings that you were able to tweak and fix for me, her beautiful diamond earrings. You know, do you appraise them yourself? The jewelry comes no, in. You send them out to. We have. Her? I have an independent um, gemologist, uh-huh. and I. The reason why why I don't appraise it myself is because it creates a conflict of interest mm-hmm. when I appraise a piece that I have sold. Mm-hmm. So I rather a third party's opinion, and uh, they give a, a written appraisal for insurance purposes, mm-hmm. or for whatever, whatever the purpose the client needs it for. Mm-hmm. But as I was mentioning, doctor, that you have so many occasions where you can give jewelry. You have weddings, you have anniversaries, you have the birth of your child. first yeah. child. Yeah. You have uh, the celebration of life of somebody who has passed. Right. And even though you're going through the moment of <clears throat> sorrow, just wearing that piece brings you joy, brings you happiness. It does. It gives you that sparkle. You know, do they do friendship rings too? One of my friends, a woman friend of mine has a, a nonprofit, 
And what she has done is from her women friends who are struggling with sadness and of loss of life or just a rough time, she gives them a friendship ring they wear on their right hand. And she will do that. And she says, wear this and think, think of me. Wear this and think of me when it, the times are rough. One of the things I used to think about was the sunflower to symbolize widows, right? When, when they're out, the sun's out, the sunflower points up like a little solar panel. And when the sun goes away, they face each other. And it's such a uh, look at different things that symbolize all those things that come to mind. Correct. So uh, when you give a gift, you can give the meaning that you want to. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, a gift that you acquire while you were traveling to that particular city. You bring it over to your friend. And then by giving it to them, you, you state, oh, when, when you're going through a difficult moment, Think of me, or I was thinking about you while I was traveling, and I bought you this. I bought you these pair of earrings. It could be $50. It can be $100, but Means it doesn't something. matter. Yeah. Is the principle why you're doing it. I remember when I was at the White House under the Clinton administration, Bush, Clinton, Bush, and at there was a time there was a, a jeweler named Ann Hand, and she had these pins that had the gold eagle with a pearl, mother of pearl, underneath it. And the first lady, Hillary Clinton, wore that. And then actually they gave me one for um, Christmas, and then one of the gifts they gave me when I got promoted was an anchor with little gems on it that was a pin. I normally don't wear pins, but it brought to mind the former Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, who collected pins, and I think one of the books that she published before she passed was All My Pins, and the, you know th- hundreds of different pins that she would wear. You'd see her, and she was always wearing her signature pin. But then you think of Barbara Bush, and the pearls she wore, I always, in fact, when Barbara Bush passed, uh, the girls in my clinic, we all wore pearls in honor of her. See those large, Correct. you know, mother pearls. That was her signature style. And they, they, it's something that means something special to you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when a celebrity wears a certain piece of jewelry, it becomes a trend immediately. Mm-hmm. It just happened last Sunday at the halftime Super Bowl with uh, Rihanna. Who's pregnant. Yeah. who was pregnant, and that was a great way to announce the world that she was <laughs> expecting, in my opinion. And uh, she was wearing some beautiful earrings, and she was wearing pins, now that you mentioned pins. Uh-huh. So we are expecting that people now, young generation, we'll start, start wearing pins because Rihanna was wearing those. Do people, how many rings do people wear? Do you, typically, I mean, do you see multiple rings or... What do you normally see? Well, there is no rule for fashion. I always tell my clients. It is a matter of uh, Mm self-confidence, but you can wear up to four rings, two on each hand, or sometimes you can wear up to six rings, three on each hand. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter. It it all depends how you feel about wearing those together. Then I look at men who are married, because, you know, people look if you're married and they don't have rings. What, do you see a lot of men just don't want to wear a wedding ring or a wedding band? Or is that common? you see that well, more? Well, you see that more on uh, older generations that they don't wear a ring. They, they might say, oh, I know in my heart that I'm married, so I don't need to wear a ring. But according to my experience, and I see it every day, women do like their husbands or their uh significant other to wear a ring Mm -hmm. because it's a sense of belonging it's a sense of commitment they want to feel that they are respected by wearing a ring you know the symbolism i see with my journey as a widow which i'll talk about in my other podcast 
which begins this month, but in my widow's journey, I, I wore my engagement and wedding ring for probably almost two and a half years until after John died. I just could not remove it. And then came a point I said, I need to put these away. I need to not wear them anymore. And then I started wearing rings on my middle finger. And I looked up the meaning, and it stood for autonomy. And I said, well, I could do that. I'll put it in the middle finger. And that way, you know, the, that fourth finger is open. But the middle finger still, I can look at the bling, and I can see, I'd tell what you say. I'm, more, I'm not more a necklace person because, you know, you see you're wearing a pendant, but it's, I, think, I don't get to look at it unless someone looks. I'd rather see it on my hands and smile, and I go, oh, I like that wing. Because people look very closely. The women I was at dinner the other night with some widows at Valentine's Day, I was looking at their bling. They all wore diamonds, pretty good-sized diamonds. And I went, oh, this is a lot of... It's a lot of bling going on here, and it's you know typical of where you hang out when you go, right? Yeah. And typically, rings is uh, when somebody wants to admire a ring, they ask for your hand, mm -hmm. you extend the hand, and then you appreciate uh, when you have a closer look, rather than if they want to admire your necklace or your earrings, mm -hmm. it will feel weird coming up to your to neck coming up to your, your neck or to yeah. your ears. Let's see, let's see that ring that. And, you'll look and at then you just extend your hand, right. and they are right. able to see it perfectly. Yeah. But again, it's a matter of preference. Right. So there's not rule of thumb for that. But it is, it's, you know, women like sparkle, and it captures your eyes. Absolutely. And you feel elegant. You feel beautiful. It's, um, you know, the symbolism of that. But it's got to fit your style. It's very personal. Yeah. It's like it's any type of artwork. And, and women just don't uh, love jewelry because it sparkles and because it looks beautiful. It's because they want. It's because the feeling that it costs on them, it makes them feel glamorous. Yeah. It makes yeah. them feel rich. It makes them feel love. But more than anything else, they want to feel that they're being loved by the person who gave it to mm -hmm. them. And being loved means everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it's the language. What's you know, it feeds your language of love that you you sense that. And as we talk about, I, I see you and Claudia. What what is your language of love? How do you how do you two express love to each other that you know of? I mean, you want to share that before we end our show? Absolutely. My, uh, mine are acts of service and gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about you, Claudia? I think quality time is what I appreciate the most. I love to give quality time to my beloved ones, and I love to receive the same. But, yeah, always uh, getting gifts uh, reminds me of the love of everybody and it's another way I show my love to them, too. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. I, I thank you for your acts of service and your quality time with me on this show. And oh, it's my I, pleasure. It's a, such a joy to know you and, and the bestow, receive your gifts of your creativity. I love wearing your art every day. So I'm going to sign off on this month's show on house calls and send my love to you. And it's really, my shows are a love letter to my patients. It's uh, my patients and my friends. Any listener out there, this is my act of service and my words of affirmation that I'm so grateful for the people who listen in. And my hope is that each and every one of you listening will get a little bit of something from this show, something that lifts you up and adds to your life. And so with that, I'm going to sign off this February House Calls and wishing you all love and great joy. So God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.